I wanted to be like my father. That's why I got into business. That's why I got into the business of serving my fellow man and woman. I've written nine books, best-selling books. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom fam. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. And today we have Nikki Bilou. And Nikki is going to tell us all about himself and all the amazing things that he is up to. Take it away, Nikki. Uh, I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. When I was 11 years old, the Islamic Revolution happened. It turned my world upside down. And my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall. This was going to be a great place to raise his Christian family. So he made a plan, he got us out of Iran, and he settled us where I now live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And um, at the time, I didn't want to leave. I was 11. I had my friends and family and, and, and home there. But in retrospect, it was the greatest move my dad ever made. He took us from tyranny to freedom. And as a result, I've become a huge champion for freedom, free expression, free enterprise. And I know there's some folks here in the West that say, oh, my God, America, so oppressive, so racist, so sexist. I'm not here to tell you that I pretend it's perfect here in the West. But are you freaking kidding me? This is the freest, most amazing place in the face of the earth. Those that say otherwise are lying or they're ignorant, one or the other, right? And we should be grateful for what we have. We should be grateful that they don't throw us in jail because we have a different political opinion than they do. They don't try to shoot us for being a young woman, 22 years old, like back home in Iran, and not wearing a head covering. And they don't beat you to death for that because we're very grateful and lucky to be living in a free country. And my late father... He was a champion of freedom. He was an uplifter of human beings. If he knew you and you were looking for work, he'd make calls and find you a job. If you were looking to start a business, he would help you get started with that business. He'd bring you people. He'd bring you access to capital. He'd do it. And if you were looking to buy a car, a house, or an apartment, my late father, if you didn't have enough money, would top you up so you could buy that car, that house, or that apartment. Now, who does that, Charmaine? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou, for one, why would someone do that? Well, he was a devout Christian. He believed he'd been blessed by God. It was his duty to share those blessings. He also did it because he could. He was rich. You know, he was successful. And I wanted to be like my father. That's why I got into business. That's why I got into the business of serving my fellow man and woman. I have written nine books, best-selling books, right? Uh, my my current book is a cultural political book. I co-wrote with Wayne Allen Root. It's uh, called The Great Patriot Bicot book. 
It's a list of 123 powerful American companies that are patriotic, right? And and not woke. And uh, that's the book that I've written. And then what I do for business is I help entrepreneurs add a zero to two zeros to their annual income. That's who I am. That's what I'm all about in a nutshell. Okay, fantastic. So, you know, and that is, uh, that's quite an intro. So that's great. Um, I do have some things I would like to dig a little deeper with in regard to what you just said. Um, the first one is I would love to talk a lot about contrasting your experience in Iran as 11 years old, um, compared to your experience in Canada. Right. So, um, you mentioned a little bit about it, but I'm just curious what kind of fears you might have felt at that age, leaving your friends and everything that you've known to go very far distance to a place that is essentially unknown. Uh, and how did that how did that evolve? How did you get through that? Well, we didn't leave immediately when I was 11. The revolution happened when I was 11. We didn't leave around okay. for another few years. Uh, I left okay. when I was 13, first went to Greece. That was culture shock. We didn't speak Greek. We didn't understand the language. Uh, but there was an American school there. We spoke English. So we got to, you know, learn uh, learn in an American school environment. Okay. Um, and then from there, we came to Canada. And definitely that was a culture shock for us. Where we first lived, The you know, it was in a rough neighborhood. You know, lots of fighting and, uh, you know, gangs and violence and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. initially and i wasn't used to that i mean in iran we didn't really have that in the neighborhood that i lived in anyways right um but eventually you know my family worked hard my dad especially worked really hard and got us out of that situation and put us in a in, in a better situation it took a lot of years to get used to canada but i grew to love canada and i grew to love the freedoms that it afforded us because that's what you know we didn't have at home i could go and speak whatever I wanted about the government here and they weren't going to throw me in jail back home in Iran. They could go kill my dad for that. If I yeah. said the wrong thing to the wrong person, you know, and we got to always keep that here. We can't ever go after our political opponents. We can't ever say, okay, you know what? We don't like this guy for whatever reason. So now we're going to sick the law on him. No, don't do that. That's wrong. That's bad. There's not a lot coming back from that. I know they did that last week in the U.S., and I think that's very, very bad, very bad for democracy in the world. And how are we going to go tell other countries, don't go after your political opponents if we do that over here? I mean, it's crazy stuff, right? You, all, you always got to have a respect for other people's points of view and differing points of view. To me, that's the essence of freedom is a respect for the people that disagree with you. And if we fully lose that, if we let the, uh, the crazy people define that for all of us, then we're in big trouble. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a very uh, uh, different view because um, I am a black person and in America, that is a very different experience. So, um, But I hear you. Yeah, I mean, no, I definitely look, think look. that... Um, Listen, yeah. everybody has their experience. I want to say this. I'm yeah. a Middle Eastern man. I'm, I and, and But, you know, I choose not to look at myself as a victim. When we came here. No, no, I'm not would... saying that. But all I'm saying is that there you know is I mean? the phenomenon in the United States of, you know, your your son or your daughter who is brown. I have to always be wondering if they're going to be shot or killed for what they look like is is real. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. 
you know, um, whereas, I mean, and I, I'm not saying I'm an immigrant as well. Um, I don't happen to live in the United States anymore, but I mean, I immigrated to the United States. I live in Guam, which is a territory, but it's not the mainland. So, you know, basically like I understand the immigrant experience. I didn't leave my country because of political unrest or anything along those lines. I didn't feel threatened you know, when I left my country, I left my country for educational opportunities, which the United States offered. Right. Um, But that was also 30 plus, that's like 30, 37 years ago. And it has changed tremendously in that timeframe. So I do agree that there is a lot of freedom that is afforded in the country of United States. I mean, I can't speak for Canada because obviously I don't live in Canada. I've never lived in Canada. But um, I will also too. say that with those freedoms, there is still a lot of um, oppressions, okay? They're not necessarily well advertised. And they're also, um, they're, the reason why people are constantly trying to keep it in the forefront is because the people that are most affected by it, they are usually the ones that don't have a voice and you know don't have any power. And so that is the reason why it it's it it it's like a very um it's like a it's like a cut that keeps getting opened and and gasoline or our alcohol, pure alcohol being thrown on it. Um so you know when things happen, particularly in the political scene that takes more power away from the people that are that are constantly oppressed. I mean, we're used to it. We've had 400 years of slavery. Like we're, we're used to like adversity. Like that is not a new thing. Like we've been beaten, slave tortured, enslaved, tortured, you know, disenfranchised for many, many centuries. In the United States since the 1860s though, right? And the civil rights acts was passed in 1965, right? Okay, so um, you know, I, I'm, and, uh, I I I sense that you have no understanding of the African American experience in the United States, so that's fine. Well, I'm not. I'm not a black man. I'm. I'm that's what I'm saying. Student. I don't expect you to. Right? I don't expect but you to. I'm, but what, but what I'm saying, saying is, to you is student, that I am a student of history, though. And you said 400 years of slavery, and I want to correct you because slavery was abolished in in the 1860s in the United States. Yeah, but right? it still so continued. But it still continued, even though it was quote unquote abolished. It was. It still continues up to today. Up to today. Sure. And it just manifests until, itself. It doesn't manifest itself 19- as people being um, put in a plantation and, you know, made to work, separated from their families, impregnated by the slave owners and, you know, families separated as soon as the children are born. I mean, that is not physically happening, but the, the slavery is still continuing and it's institutional And it's deep rooted in the country and which makes it actually worse because to me, I'd rather somebody beat me and like, show me that, you know, show me their face, like who they are versus like, you try to like disenfranchise me in other ways and oppress me from an economic standpoint, from a social, social standpoint, you like are constantly having to prove yourself and, and basically like, you can never not have to like prove yourself like no matter what you do because of what you look like you are constantly having to prove yourself you would never go to your your education is never good enough you're always questioned you could be a harvard honors graduate with many accolades and you will still be assumed to be the lowest level of the persons that are in the category wherever you are 
you will still be, you have people who are just jogging in their neighborhoods where they live, where they've made the money from the skill set that they have, and they are still harassed and even shot because they are the way that they look. So that never goes away. When you cannot have your child go out and you not wonder if your child is going to come back because they're wearing a hoodie, you're like, oh, they made us get shot because they're wearing a hoodie, even though they're just going to the corner store. If they cannot ride in a vehicle and not be scared to their chill to their bones when a police officer pulls them over because they want to keep their hands on the steering wheel because if they move their hands if they go to reach in a glove compartment for their driver's license and their registration they could be shot like these are the things that african americans have to deal with every single day every single generation since the beginning when they were brought from a perfectly happy place to a land where they did not ask to be and were meant to work there for hundreds of years. And then they still claim to be free, but aren't free. So there is a lot of history that isn't depicted by the fact that, yes, they, they said they declared slavery abolished on that date, but in, even in Texas, two years later, the slaves that were in Texas still were not free. They didn't even know that that even went into effect. That's why you have something called Juneteenth. So there is a huge history that is there that is not depicted. So it's a it's a big big wound that is open when you say things like that. So I just want to make you make you aware because if you're not if you're not I mean, an African American, you, are, if you, you don't and I are know looking anybody, at things from a from a different point of view, and I'm not I'm not I'm not you know. Um, I'm just going to say there are things you said that I can nod my head and say, yeah, that makes sense that I've heard. And there's things you said that I just flat out think are wrong. Uh, and, and uh, you know, with all due respect, um, this is the point about freedom is that you can look at things from a point of view and I can look at them from a different point of view. And here's what I'm going to tell you right now is that um, as a Middle Eastern man who came to, to Canada and, and has lived here since 1982, um, I do everything in my power to look at myself as a Canadian first and not as an identity. And I think what's wrong with America today is that people are putting themselves in identity boxes and are saying, well, you don't understand my experience. And there's this victimhood Olympics saying, oh, no, 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 my people are more victimized than your people. And I, I say that's wrong. That doesn't allow people to come together because underneath our skin, we all bleed red. We're all God's children. And honestly, for one, as, a, as somebody who had a Molotov cocktail thrown in my living room window with a note that said, die Christian scum on it when I was 11 years old in Iran, which is one of the reasons why my family left, I'm telling you, like that, that type of thinking is what causes hatred and what causes people to kill each other. And it's what's going on in the Middle East. And I don't want to see it here. I want to see myself as a Canadian and everybody else as a Canadian, regardless of their skin color in this country. I want all Americans to see themselves as Americans. It's a great country. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying there's not people that are idiots, but I'm saying that it's more good than bad, way more good than bad, especially if you look at it from the point of view of the rest of the world. And, and that's what I believe with all my heart and all my soul. That's fine. Uh, I'm not, I, we can disagree to disagree because like I said, I'm an immigrant as well. I lived in a very different country than the United States and I lived in the United States for 37 years. I identify myself as Jamaican because that's who I am. But I'm telling you, no matter what, 
whether I say I'm Jamaican or not, they still see a black person when they see me. And so it's the same response when they see me. Mm -hmm. So that's an idealistic thought to think that we can have more good than bad. And I mean, and maybe there is more good than bad, but I'm just letting you know that within the last 10 years, the bad has really surged up and caused some very bad ripple effects. That's all I'm saying. So well, it, is not, the halcyon, it is that. not the halcyon that it used to be. It was not the halcyon that it was when I moved there in 1985. It is not even the halcyon that it was when I graduated from medical school in 2002, or even when I graduated from residency in 2005. It is not that same place is what I'm saying to you. So well, that's I'm going to tell I, you right I'm now, not, I think I there's think reasons for are, that. are claiming victim. That's not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying that people are claiming victim, and I'm also not saying that people are trying to categorize themselves. You cannot, why would you, why would I want to be categorized in a position or in a people that are constantly being threatened? Like, why would I want that? I wouldn't want that. I have no choice in what I look like. My son has no choice in what he looks like. You see what I mean? Like, and we're not claiming victim you. because we are not letting you. that stop us but from I don't success. judge you for what you look like and but I don't what I'm just in saying my to you world, is that is what happens world, yeah yeah I'm, I'm sure it that does, is what happens and, and those are and that's why you have to where live you, under where the attention conditions goes is where energy flows and if you look for that you're going to find it and I'm telling you in my world I don't look for that and I have friends from all kinds of backgrounds I personally know over 10,000 people I'm a people person I know a lot of people I know I know people who are you know, from Jamaica, I know a lot of people from Jamaica. I've actually spent some time in Jamaica. I love Jamaica. I think Jamaica is one of the coolest places in the world. Uh, you know, jerk chicken, man, at Scotchies. Girl, that is some good stuff. That's some of my favorite in the is. world right there. Scotch pie. But those guys, they, they were not honest with me when they told me how hot it was. They go, that's moderately hot. That blew my blood. But it's moderately hot for us. <laughs> and you're from no, the, the Middle East. You should be able to me. handle that. You guys have oh spicy God, food. It was all the way up to my lips, man. I'm from Iran. We eat hot food too. You know? That's what I'm saying. You should be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah. Up to here. Up to here. That was burning, man. It was crazy. Oh, just a little bit, man. Okay, okay, I'll try it. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was laughing at me the whole time, buddy was. That's all right. That's all good. It was great. I loved it. It was fun stuff. But we got people from all, all over the world in Canada. In Toronto, where I live, it's probably the most multicultural city in North America by far and away. I got people from all over the world. And I, I, don't, I don't go to them and go, that's my black friend. That's my Asian friend. That's my Iraqi friend. That's my brother. That's just my friend. That's my buddy. That's my brother. That's my sister. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. And I think that's how people ought to look at it. In Canada, we didn't have any of this garbage going on until we elected Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau came in. He started dividing people up into identity politics. Now there's that crap going on under him. And I can't wait till we kick this son of a gun out of office because I think when he's gone, we're going to have less of that. And people are going to start looking at each other as Canadians again. That's the way I want to see it. And yeah, absolutely. There's guys who've had things happen to them. And I'll tell you myself, I'm Middle Eastern. I went through a divorce. And there's no question that because I was Middle Eastern, certain things were applied to me that would not have been applied to me had I been, say, English or Scottish <laughs> in my background during the divorce process. No question about it. And and was I pissed at the time? Yeah, I was pissed. Really pissed. But at the end of the day, you know what? I figured I'm going to transcend this. I'm going to go beyond this. 
And I'm not going to say this on the air. I'm happy to have a conversation with you off the air. There's lots of nasty, shitty things, excuse my language, that happen to people because of their backgrounds. I'm not telling you it doesn't. And if you recall what I said at the beginning, I'm not pretending it's perfect over here. I'm just telling you it's better than anywhere else in the world. That's a fact. In That's terms fair. Of how and I, I wasn't arguing with you on that. I was yeah. just basically pointing out when you made the American analogy, I was like, be careful of that because that one is not the same as Canada. Canada and United States are not the same. So that's well, all the, I was the saying. The guy who leads Canada right now is trying his darnest to make it happen over here too. And we got to make him stop. He's trying to turn Toronto into New York City in the 70s. And we definitely don't want that. And all I'm saying, my entire point that you and I got started with was you can't have a country where you start going after your political opponents. I don't like Justin Trudeau. I kind of think he's done based on news reports, a bunch of stuff here that's shady. We could go arrest him after he gets out of office. We could go try him. And I probably think we could find reasons to convict him and throw him in jail. I don't want to live in a country where the power that wins will go after their opponents once they get in. That's a bad road. That happened in Iran, and I think it's a bad thing that it happened in America. And I don't think Western countries should become like that because that's what Iran was like. That's what banana republics are like. That's not what a democracy should be like. That's my point. I see. Okay. That's fair. Anyways, let's go that back to business. That was a heated discussion. Politics. Didn't think that was going to go like that. <laughs> no, no. Let's go back to business. Enough politics. Back to us talking about fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Ask so me you a were question. Me... No more politics. <laughs> yes. You are... The things that people really shouldn't talk about because it always causes contention is religion and politics. Really. Really. Well, sometimes it happens. You know, God intended right. it for a reason. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. So tell me, so you were telling me, we were, we got started talking about this because we were talking about the fear that you felt when you made the transition. Yeah, it, it lasted for, you know, a good half a decade. Uh, I, I was I was scared. I, I didn't understand uh, the the way things worked over here until I felt like I was a part of the country. I was a foreigner. I was an outsider. <laughs> you know what I mean? You weren't born here. People knew you here. I, I went to a school full of um, it was in a neighborhood in Toronto. It was full of Greeks, Italians and Jamaicans. I was the only oh, really? Persian guy That's in the school. Combination. <laughs> yeah, I was the only Persian guy in the whole school. 
1,500 people, okay? One Persian guy, right? And and I was very obviously not Canadian at the time. It was very obvious, right? All these other guys were. And, you know, I was an outsider. They kind of looked at me funny. Oh, you're from Iran. That's that, that's that terrorist place, right? They, they would say stuff like that to my face. And, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not a terrorist, man. I, I, I My family came here to get away from all that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're fine. You're fine. It took me a lot of years to get over it. And by the time, it didn't happen until... I was 18, 19 years old, almost 20 years old. That's when I first started to feel really comfortable uh, being here. And like I was a part of Canada and I was a part of what was going on over here. But I, I came to fall in love with it. I came to fall in love with the way that people did things over here. I came to fall in love with the fact that we were free and we could say things and not get thrown in jail. My dad didn't have to tell me, Nikki, shut up. Don't, don't go out loud and talk about the leader because I do that in Iran. And he'd go, son. You need to be quiet. You don't know who's listening. They could grab me and throw me in jail and kill me by tomorrow. I'm like, okay, like, damn, man. <laughs> like, I, you know, being 11, 12, 13 years old and hearing stuff like that, that's intense. That's intense. Yes, it's very intense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah. so did you, Um. so once you became integrated, and in, so you're saying it took you probably till like maybe 18, 19 to 18, really 19, feel 20, like yeah. you were comfortable, you know, like part right. of the society. Um, exactly. What was the thing that like, so then what propelled you down the current path? Because you mentioned that, you know, you're, you went into, did you go into business because your dad was in business or what was the, what, what, what propelled you down Honestly, yeah, I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be a, someone who helped people because that's what he did. So I got into business so I could have the wherewithal to be of service to people. And I got into the helping professions. Like I was a fitness coach. I worked with two Olympic gold medalists. One, a son of Jamaica, Donovan Bailey. Yeah. Have you heard the name Donovan Bailey before? I have, yes. Yeah. So um, he and I were business partners for uh, several years. Uh, and we, we created a fitness program with a fellow from Guyana by the name of Mark McCoy. And um, we put a fitness program called Transform. There's a nice picture of Donovan with a smiling face on the cover. And then there was Mark inside because he was fitter than all the rest of us. Right? I was pretty fit uh, at the time. But, you know, Mark was crazy fit. I mean, he looked still like he was winning gold medals. Right. So nice. we took pictures of him doing his stuff. And we put that out there into the world. I started coaching a lot of people in, in health and fitness. I did that for a good decade. You know, and the partnership, you know, ran its course. It was good. And then we moved on. And then um, I went through a divorce. Uh, you know, it was not uh, what I was seeking or wanted. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, God has a way of um, letting you know what his plans are for you. Yeah. And his plan for me was to get out of uh, the fitness space. So I, um, I eventually kind of transitioned out of fitness into the world of doing uh, business coaching and success coaching. I wrote a book. Um, this is the first of nine books I wrote finish line thinking how to think and win like a champion and then i wrote the second edition of this book this book these two books together made me well over seven figures basically nice. i would put them in the hands of people who wanted to grow their business grow their success and use that as a way to get uh, a coaching conversation going you know so it was awesome it was brilliant it was fantastic uh and um i was really glad and thrilled to be able to do that um, once we'd done that and we'd done enough of that, um, you know, uh, I became partners with a fellow, uh, 
and we started to teach thought leadership, how to be seen as the go-to expert in your space. So we taught a lot of people how to go from being, you know, stuck in the sea of sameness to being in the oasis of differentiation. You know, uh, one woman that uh, became our client was a doctor of natural medicine, and uh, she had won the gold medal in Canada for uh, her class that year. So she was the number one student in the entire country in the field of natural medicine. Fantastic. And she was successful, but um, she was going through a hard time. Her father had brain cancer and he was dying. Mm. It was, there was no way for him to come back from it. You know, he had geoblastoma. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh um, nice man, really kind man. And to see that just eat away at him, like crushed her soul, like crushed this poor girl's soul. She was daddy's girl, you know what I mean? Just the apple of daddy's eye and all that stuff. And so she came to us saying, I want to dedicate my uh, rest of my business career to honoring my father. That means I got to expand. I want to tenfold my business. Sure. I do six figures. I want to do seven figures. I'm like, okay. So we sat with her. What's going on? Tell us about, you know, how, how it is that you want to do your business. Who do you work with? She goes, oh, I can help anyone with any health problem. That's not going to work. We, we got to help you do something better. So she said, okay, tell me what to do. So I'm going to show you something. This is a, a tool we use. It's called an IP snapshot or a pink sheet, right? So over here, we created this Venn diagram. We looked at who were the clients she'd already worked with that she'd gotten good results for, the best results. Who were the clients she enjoyed working with the most? Who are the clients who paid her the best and were easiest to deal with? You know what I mean? They paid you. They didn't nickel and dime you and any right. of that jazz. Where all three of those came together, that's your ideal client. Pretty cool, huh? Nice little Venn diagram cool. there. Yeah. So she, um, we figured it out for her. Her ideal client was a woman between 40 and 60, professional executive woman, married, kids, um, felt great about everything, except one. She didn't feel beautiful or, or special, like, a, like a, a beautiful woman anymore. She was mad. She was mad that she was overweight. She was mad that she was aging and she felt like hopeless, helpless, depressed. And um, this lady, her message was, look, you can be, um, you can be getting older every year and that's inevitable, but aging, not inevitable. And I'm like, okay, this is good. Let's go with that. And so we got a program together called Get Your Sexy Back a professional woman over the age of 40 and um anyways long story short is it was a good name for a program it's a really good name for a program she doubled her income in her first year then she doubled it again in the next year and then she doubled it again three years in a row so she went from six figures a year to six figure a month run rate nice charming it was that's nice great. and that's, that's great. the power of being seen as a go-to authority. Not I can do anything for anybody, but I'm gonna get you sexy back if you're a professional woman over 40 to 60. That was good. Cause you know, a lot of women, professional women, 40 to 60, a lot of them feel they're not beautiful anymore. A lot of them feel helpless, hopeless, depressed about it. And then when somebody gave them a way out of that, they loved it. They were all over it, especially with a few good success stories too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely honing in on the audience makes a huge difference. A huge, huge difference. Because then everything so, you speak to speaks directly to that person. Exactly. Exactly. You understand. 
Yeah, so that's the sort of thing that we we did, and that's what we've been doing for the last few years. We've helped, uh, you know, close to a couple hundred people in this process, and well over half of our clients that have, that have done our work have added six to nine figures to their annual income as a result of using this methodology. We're very grateful that you know, God's given us the opportunity to be of service in this fashion. That is awesome. So how can people um, reach out to you if they're interested? Well, you know, if you put my name on any social media platform at Nikki Blue, you can pretty much find me there. But if you want to, if you want to like dig a little deeper, my suggestion is go to Amazon. I've got a bunch of books I've written there. You can go purchase some of those books. And I also have my podcast on the Amazon platform and we interview the top thought leaders in the world. So go there low and no cost way. But if you if you want to have a serious conversation about transforming your business, then go to my main website. There's a calendar link there. You go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Pick a time that you, uh, we could have a chat at. Let's get on the phone. Let's talk about what you're trying to do. And we'll go from there. And um, then his name is spelled N-I-C-K-Y-B-I-L-L-O-U. Yes, ma'am. Because people are... Um, listening they don't necessarily can remember how to spell your last name in particular For sure <laughs> or they might put an i on the end of nikki you know what no, i mean like there's so many I. iterations that could happen don't and then they will find you and then you know sure. so sure. that way they know exactly where to go <laughs> i appreciate it thanks yeah, for no thanks for that thanks for having me on the show and thanks for the opportunity yeah no it's good it's good conversation so now um, you, uh, we're at that point of the show where we do our tradition and it's a fill in the blank. Are you ready for the fill in the blanks? Okay. I'm ready. Let's roll. All right, let's do it. The first one is if I am fearless, I will. Um, get on the phone with more people. Okay. All right. The next one is to me, fearless freedom means. Um. Feeling fear and not getting stopped by it, moving forward, taking action. Okay. Okay. And then last one is my battle cry is. The world right now is a crazy place, crazier than maybe it's ever been, not just in the United States, but all over. And there's a lot of people that need your help. Patrick Bet David, a fellow Iranian who does a channel called Valuetainment, said the other day that crisis breeds opportunity. When there's a lot of crises, there's a lot of people that need help. All you got to do is find out which of those crises involve the type of help you're well suited to give. Take your time to figure that out and then put yourself out there. And offer to be of service to your fellow man and woman. Because there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. A ton, a ton, a ton. And help bring these people to a place of calm. Help them come to a place of uh, belief that someone cares. Someone's in their corner. And be that someone for them. And, and you know, in the most uncommon of hours, you're going to get to the next level in life. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for being on the okay. show and taking time out of your schedule to share with us, you know, have heated conversations with us. <laughs> there you go. It's all good. There you it's go. all good. It's good. Yeah.
yeah, sparks no, sparks make for an interesting episode. Let's put it of that way. Of course, of course. <laughs> you know, that's this is um this is what the I, I don't know, I don't watch television really, but I am assuming this is what they do when they do the um when Jerry they put together show. these reality shows, they try to get the most conflicting like items. Like they try to breed conflict so they could have some, you know, interesting conversations, you know. <laughs> but you know, the, the beautiful thing about having differing opinions, having heated conversations, even is that you do get to see the different perspectives of the people that are in. And if you're in a situation where you're mature enough to have a conversation where maybe you have a different opinion about something, but you still have a civil conversation, like in the end, like after all the sparks, you can still like have a conversation. I think that is a, a level so of maturity that unfortunately a lot of people don't have, including government. So there you go. Yeah, especially <laughs> government in this day and age. There you That's go. sad. If, <laughs> if only. <laughs> so yeah. it's all good. But yes, thank you again. Um, and I hope that you have um, continued success. And I know that um, those who are Thank listening, you. if they, if you vibe with them and they want to get more uh, of you or from you, they will go look up your books as well as um, reach out to you online. God bless you, Charmaine. Uh, Dr. Charmaine Gregory, shout out to you for doing this show. Shout out to you for giving a platform to folks like me to be able to uh, share some of our messages out there. So thank you very much. Much appreciated.